Hello everyone and welcome to the newest episode of the Library Girl and Book Boy podcast. I hope you're all keeping well and managing to read lots of books or think about reading books or add books to your to be read list. I know that I've been certainly trying, been trying to get through some of the ones on my towering pile that I still need to read. Um, this week I am interviewing author Amanda Addison about her beautiful picture book Boundless Sky and I have reviews from the pupils of Kempshot Junior School. I've got Belle reviewing Fabio, the world's greatest detective flamingo by Laura James. I've got Evie reviewing What's in Your Mind Today by Louise Bladen. And I've got Luke who is reviewing Trouble in New York by Sylvia Bishop. Hope you enjoy. Right, hello everyone. Today I am chatting to the author of Boundless Sky, Amanda Addison. Hi there, Amanda. Hello, Joe. Thank you so much for talking to me. Oh, you're most welcome and, and thank must... you for inviting me on. No, my pleasure. And I must just say that um, Boundless Sky is illustrated by Manuela Adriani and is published by the really rather wonderful diverse publisher, um, Lantana Publishing. So now I've got them and we can get down to the book. <laughs> so <laughs> my first question for you, Amanda, really was just to ask you if you could please tell people listening a little bit about what um, your book is about, Boundless Sky. Okay. Um, well, I'd say in a nutshell, it's a tale about two migrations. There's birds flight from place to nest and bird as a swallow who makes a biannual migration and little Layla's journey for a place of peace to call home. So they their journeys mirror each other in many ways. Um, there's also the background of the change of the seasons and the different weather and the climate zones, but also on Bird's journey, Bird meets lots of different children from different places who are all, always really excited and welcoming to see Bird. So I guess it's about sort of interconnectedness and how stories connect us all. Lovely, thank you. And what inspired you to write this story? Um, that's always a tricky question because often it's lots of different things kind of all starting to come together. Mm. Um, initially, quite a few years ago, I read a copy of a book um, called Crow Country by Mark Cocker. He also co-authored Birds Britannica and he lives in a neighbouring village to me. And there were just so many amazing facts about bird migration and how birds related to so many different places and called different places home. Mm. It initially made me think about how nomads traditionally traveled, that they would go to very specific places at different times of year in order to thrive really. And I used a little sort of bit of that idea in my adult novel, Laura's Handmade Life. And I talked about people who made yurts and nomadic travellers and then the idea sort of got put aside for a little while and then I also make art and I was asked to make a piece of artwork for a bird themed exhibition and it was 
then that I kind of had a light bulb moment of thinking of how you get a bird's eye view of things um, and how it would be the children that bird would meet on on route um, and everybody would come together under the same boundless sky so it was yeah quite a few different things all happening and kind of that sort of creative thinking where one thing leads to another I guess. Mm, that's really interesting and I really love the um, idea you got in there of the um, dual migrations of the bird and Lila and did that come out of your your previous reading you've just mentioned because they do just tie together and marry each other so beautifully. Um, it does and also um, uh, one of my favourite images is um, what it's sort of when I talk to my art and design students, we look at iconic photographs and one is of the photograph of Earth taken from space and you just see it as one place and it's there's no boundaries and it's all interconnected. And also I have listened a little bit to sort of refugees talking about their journeys and they talk about a notion of it's safer to travel with the flock which of course is what bird does, what we see on the cover. Although we see our character bird, we also see the flock. Um, so yeah, there's there's quite a few different parallels on different levels, really. Yeah, it's really fascinating how their stories weave together. And you, you mentioned that you listened to um, refugee stories. And is that part of the reason perhaps why we need picture books like this for children to read and explore and dis and discuss. Do you think we need perhaps more books telling similar types of stories? Well, I think it's the thing about empathy, really, that if you kind of get into a character and you see the world through the character's eyes, um, you have some sort of connection and relationship with them. And I mean, many sort of stories I've read in the news and you see it as a sort of journalistic piece and it's not quite the same as when you read it in a story mm. um something like the boy and the kite runner um you know his story really sort of comes home to you when you read a novel whereas you can read lots of stuff in the newspaper and we have a slight sort of disconnect with it if you like yeah so I guess what I'm hoping for is it can kind of open up a discussion on both as a sort of intellectual level of understanding what's happening, but also an emotional level of, of what's going on there. Um, and also, you know, Layla, when you see her, that she notices Bird, notices that Bird has particular needs, then I think... Um, that shows that she's got the empathy. She, she kind of sets the agenda, if you like, mm. for, for how you can relate to things. Yes, and she is very caring for Bird when she notices that, um, for example, that he's thirsty and needs water, doesn't she? Yeah, and what I particularly like about the way Manuela illustrated that scene is that the adults don't seem to notice Bird. And often children notice things um, that adults don't see. And um, I particularly like the way she sort of, Manuela picked up on that. 
Yeah, I think children generally do tend to be more outward looking than adults. And they, like you said, they do spot things that adults would be oblivious to. Yeah, all the time. I mean, some of my work, I, I work in art galleries and we have visitors of all different ages come and I talk to them about the paintings. And it, more often than not, it's the younger kids that notice something that the adults don't see. So um, I really like to sort of show that as a sort of strength of, of a childlike view of the world, if you like. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, you have, as you mentioned already, um, written books for adults. And I was just wondering how um, challenging or different it was writing for a whole new audience and with a much lower word count, I would imagine, as well. Yeah, um, I think I sort of think about what the story is and what the best format for it is, if you like. Um, and also one of my favourite authors, Helen Dunmore, and she, she's written for adults, she's written for children, she writes poems. Um, so when you get sort of role models like that, you think, well, it's, it, it, it's possible. Um, yeah, in some ways, it's quite difficult to write something that's short. I was sort of thinking about, um, there's a famous Mark Twain quote. He once said, um, I didn't have time to write you a short letter, so I wrote you a long one. Mm. And it is that a little bit like writing poetry, that every word does count, um, so much so. Um, so I, I think that's one of the differences. Um, you get a little kind of little bit of waffle room <laughs> when you're writing something longer for adults, where each word has got to sort of earn its place in the text in a picture book. And did you find that you had to edit down your original text significantly or? Um, yeah, it was um, the, the making it shorter. It wasn't massively longer, but it's in each bit sort of thinking, now, is that word really necessary? And it's sort of taking out as, as much as you can. Um, in a way, it's a bit like sort of giving the story some breathing space um, and to kind of not say too much. So the reader's got some space to think about what's being said rather than being really sort of didactic and bossy and giving the reader too much information. Mm, interesting. OK. Now, um, I know that you are an illustrator and artist yourself. And my next question is about the absolutely stunning illustrations that um, Manuela Adriani created for the book. It's such a, a beautifully put together um, and cleverly designed tale where you've got the echoes of the shapes of the swallow's wings and other elements of the pictures as well. And I was wondering, as an illustrator yourself, did you have a very strong idea of how you wanted the book to, to look or did you try and take a step back and leave it to Manuela? Um, oh, I definitely took a step back because I think in a collaboration, you've kind of got to allow everybody to some space to be creative and you don't want to stifle somebody else. And, and I think what's happened is that she's brought so much more to the book. Um, I think, I mean, I was just so pleased with the illustrations that what I particularly like is the way they're really bold in their compositions. 
there's lovely shapes, as you were saying, about the, the shapes of the wings and they're kind of echoed in hands and kites and butterflies. Um, but the way she's rendered them is very sort of gentle and tender. So there's a sort of strength and subtleness, um, which I think just works so well um, for the story. Um, so not really. I mean, there was a few... You have a few sort of questions um, and things she asked me just to clarify things in the text. And I think there's somewhere where they, I think sh she wonders whether they should um, shake hands or kiss or just say hello or, or whatever. And we were talking about sort of cultural differences and what would work in, in what place, but pretty much sort of just left it um, to Manuela. And do you have a favourite spread? Um, I do. And it's the one that I mentioned a little while ago about where Layla finds Bird. And because it kind of sums up the story in so many ways, if you had to pick one spread to do it, um, because we talk about a bird that fits in the, in your hand and we actually see that in that spread. So we see how small Bird is and what a big journey um, Bird has to make. And also the thing that, where Layla notices Bird and the, and the older um, women are walking along in the background, busy with all their sort of everyday thoughts. So yeah, I think that I'd say that's my favorite spread. Okay, do you think looking forward into the future that you, you will write any more picture books and perhaps illustrate one yourself? Um, I've kind of got ideas I'm mulling over. I'm really interested in other ways you could tell stories about the notion of leaving home and finding home. So I'm sure that will sort of crop up again. Um, my own illustration style is very different um, to Manuela's. It's using more sort of collage, perhaps a little bit like Eric Carle, who did The Very Hungry Caterpillar, mm. and I put bits of fabric in as well. So it's really what's the right style for the particular story. Um, so I'd have to sort of wait and see if something came where that seemed to be the right style. Um, I might do some, but at the moment I'm really interested in, in, in writing. So, but never say never. <laughs> no, never say never. And am I allowed to ask you, in very non-specific terms, what you are currently writing, maybe an audience or a genre? Um, well, I've, I've got sort of various little bits and pieces on the go. Um, and one of the things I've been sort of coming back to on and off for a while is looking at... Um, um, how cooking can connect us to different countries and places and also give us a sense of home and coziness and comfort. So I'm, I'm, I'm sort of playing with some ideas around that. So that's one of the things that, things I'm working on. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so that's about all. I don't like to say too much because no. often you sort of change your ideas, actually, and you don't want anyone sort of expecting a particular result. But that's something I've been sort of thinking about for some time and keeps sort of coming back to and adding to, really. 
Okay, so apart from um, Boundless Sky, do you have any other releases scheduled in the next year or so? Or are you just seeing what happens with your current projects? I'm just seeing how things go really at, at the moment. And we've got some events coming up, um, um, some other launch, well, not launches, but other Boundless Sky related events. I'm going to be at the Discover Story Centre in April. Is that up in Newcastle? Um, um, it's, it's one in Stratford. Oh, in, right, yeah. Yeah. And I've been asked to do a thing for Refugee Week in Norwich. So I'm going to do an event. We've got the Millennium Library, which is apparently the biggest in the country. So, mm. um, and it is a library of uh, City of Sanctuary Library. So they're very keen to do an event when we come round to, to Refugee Week. Um is that, is that so, in April or am I getting my months muddled? That one's in June. Oh, I'm going to be, yeah, so they're just, we're just sort of um, firming up dates and things on that, but that'll definitely take place over that week. And then on a more sort of wildlifey front, um, there's the Norfolk Wildlife Trust. Um, I'm going to do a, a reading and they've got a lovely education centre up on the North Norfolk coast and they've got some beautiful children's books and they're stocking Bandless Sky and I'm going to do a little event for them in the summer so, Fantastic. so there's various things slotting in and out <laughs> through the yeah. year. You've got plenty to keep you occupied. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, lovely. Brilliant. Thank you. Well thank you so much for taking the time to answer all my questions. It's always really interesting hearing the kind of background and the whys as to why these books have been created in Boundless Sky really is such a, a beautiful story that I can see it being enjoyed just as a beautiful story but also explored more deeply perhaps within the school setting and looking at the idea of migrations and developing empathy as you said so it's a really gorgeous book. Oh thank you so much. No thank you very much and um, it's time for me to say thank you and good night. Good night. <laughs> thank you so much bye-bye. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed listening to Amanda and I chat. Now it's time for some reviews from the lovely pupils of Kempshot Junior School. This is Belle from Kempshot Junior. I am reviewing Fabio, the world's greatest flamingo detective, Mystery on the Ostrich Express. The characters are Fabio and Gilbert. I like them both. They made me feel curious about the theft and I wanted them to get to the bottom of the mystery. Fabio the Flamingo and his colleague, Gilbert the Giraffe, go on a train to the Coconut Palm Resort when a priceless ruby is stolen. Will they find it? It was a very good book. My favourite part was when they unmasked the jewel thief because it really grabs you. It was rather funny. I'd recommend it because it has beautiful illustrations as well as being an entertaining story. This is Evie from Kempshot Junior School, reviewing What's in Your Mind Today? I gave this book a four, four stars because it's a very relaxing, calming book to help you think about what is going on in your head and help you meditate and calm and relax. The main point of this book is to get adults and children um, to sit down and take time out of the daily rush to 
review things that have been going on during the day and just zone out from the natural world. The pictures in this book are really powerful as it shows what other children are thinking and help can help you just and help you describe what is in your mind as well. I would recommend this book to anyone who needs to de-stress their mind. Anyone, anyone at any ages can read this book. Hi, this is Luke from Kempshot Juniors. I'm reading Trouble in New York. The main characters are Jamie, Eve, Rose and Harry Hooper. Jamie and Eve are becoming friends but can be a bit edgy towards each other. I found Jamie really likeable and he had really good moral judgement. One day, a famous actress disappears and the York newspaper writes about the incident less than an hour after it happened. The paper where Jamie does the maths and works out that somehow the Yorker knows about it before the incident has actually occurred. Jamie and his new friends are on the case to find out how and why. I love this book because it's a puzzling mystery story. It took me a while to figure out the real culprit. It was brilliant when Jamie met Eve at the Yorktown because I think Jamie thought Eve was a tiny bit nuts. She's a bit of a daydreamer, but I like seeing them work together and become friends. Drop in New York is a really clever story and I was keen to keep reading until the very end to solve the mystery. That is it for this week's episode. I hope that you enjoyed it and that you heard some titles that you might like to read. If you want more recommendations, you can always head over to my blog at www.librarygirlandbookboy.com or you can find me on Facebook in my Library Girl and Book Boy group or I'm always on Twitter and Instagram as at BookSuperhero2. Make sure you don't miss out on the next episode by subscribing to the podcast and I'll talk to you again soon. Stay safe. Goodbye.